little bit of a review. In 2010, I had an encounter where the Lord told me I was going to plant a church. I don't know about you, but my experience has been God doesn't ask me, He tells me. Anybody in here? Okay, a few of us. God told me I was going to plant a church called Heart of the Father Ministry. I had attended Southeastern University right here in Lakeland, Florida. had been taught and trained in the Bible. I mentioned to many of you over the years, I grew up a pastor's son. My brothers and I built the best church chair forts you'd ever seen. My mother was the secretary, so we would literally take all the chairs, build forts to the roof, go to Walmart, get Nerf guns, and just have wars. So I kind of grew up in the temple, if you will, grew up in the house of God. The Lord told me I was going to plant a church. I was not thrilled. In fact, I cried because I knew that sheep bite. I've also said that, and it has offended people, but I just said it again. Sheep bite. Yes, there are a lot of things that church leaders do wrong. They don't say what we want them to say. But if you're a part of a family, and I believe the church is a family, you're going to bite one another. You're going to have your fights. You're going to have your disagreements. And at that point in time, I was just okay being a college pastor. But the Lord asked me and, and really told me, you're going to plant a church and it was in July I had that encounter. Several months later, I had a dream where I went to heaven. And in heaven, I stood before the throne of God. And he gave me a message for the church. And the message for the church was called, Let My People Go. The Lord said in the dream, I summon you, son of man. And then he listed the five ministries, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. Let my people go. I woke up from the dream and said, surely, Lord, you're not going to ask me to confront church leaders in America to let your people go. As I began to dialogue with the Lord, the Lord began to reveal to me personally that we were not to plant Heart of the Father ministry based off of a one-man ministry, which I'll explain, but we were to found it upon biblical eldership and the five-fold ministry, very simply, team ministry. The Lord revealed to me in Isaiah where it says that the new wine is found in the cluster. There's actually new wine that God wants to pour out into the body of Christ, but it cannot be contained in a one-man ministry. Very simply, one man can never be Jesus Christ. So we find in Ephesians chapter 4 that God gave five different ministries, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. He gave five ministries to the body for the equipping of the saints into maturity. We know that Paul himself, he referred to himself as an apostle and a teacher, but he never said he was a prophet. He never said he was an evangelist, and he never called himself a pastor. 
So we believe that God has given five ministries to the body, and each ministry represents a portion of who Jesus Christ is. So if someone is called to the ministry of the apostle, they're a little a, apostle, who are called to reveal the big A, Jesus Christ as the apostle. If they're called as a prophet, little p, they're called to reveal the big P, Jesus Christ as the prophet. So the five ministries, when they're fully operating, they give a full expression and a manifestation of all who Jesus Christ really is to the body. So some of you in this room, you're bent a certain way. Some of you have an evangelistic bug in you. Maybe you sat under an evangelist. The evangelist message is soul winning. The evangelist message is get outside the four walls of a church and actually learn how to love the broken. So these evangelistic people, they're frustrated because they attend a church where the guy leading is a pastor. And because he's a pastor, according to the grace that God has given him, pastors have a heart for the brokenhearted. They have a heart for the wounded. They have a heart for counseling. They're going to slow things down. It's not that the pastor is doing anything wrong. They're just functioning according to the grace that God has given them. If you get a prophet there, they're going to release to you the word of the Lord. They're going to talk in dreams and visions. In fact, half the time you're going to have no clue what they're talking about. They're going to say they heard this and they heard that. They're going to be constantly uh, flooded with vision. At times they're going to bring correction. At times they're going to be confrontational. If you're used to pastors, you're not going to like prophets. What if the guy's a teacher? He's going to be line upon line, precept upon precept. You will know the Word of God in and out if you sit under a teacher. I'm giving you this example because no one person can be them all. There's no such thing as one person leading a congregation able to bring the body into maturity because they've only been given certain gifts. So we wonder why the body of Christ is so immature. I'm going to tell you the reason why we're so immature is because we have not been exposed to all five ministries. And therefore, and ultimately, we don't really know Jesus Christ is who He really is. You might know Jesus Christ as the teacher. You might know Jesus Christ as the healer. But do you know Jesus Christ in the fullness of 
of all that He is because you're drinking and partaking of different graces and different revelations. So we believe here at Heart of the Father as God encountered me that we were not going to be a senior pastor model of church. We were not going to put one man at the center and say, you man the pulpit 52 weeks out of the year. You do the shepherding of the people and we'll just have some other guys, maybe they're rich, maybe they have white hair. We'll put them on the deacon board and you'll just either you'll tell them what to do or they'll tell you what to do. I'm, I'm describing most American churches. What we do here is we have a team of elders of fivefold ministers who, again, I'm reminding you, are very different. When you really get to know Barry and I, you should be amazed because we're so different, but yet we get along so well. His name is Jesus Christ. We, we honor the grace and the gifting that God has given one another. So I'm the prophetic brother who I think we need a new prophetic word every year. I mean, what is God saying? And Barry, the teacher, is going to say, God has already spoken. It's called make disciples. Barry's going to tell Brother Jeremiah, no more visions. We need the Bible. And Jeremiah's going to tell Barry, I get the Bible, but we need more visions. We've got to keep it fresh. Then we have David, who's on our eldership team, who has great wisdom. He has a shepherding gift. Jeremiah runs really fast, and David says, slow down, slow down, please slow down. Please be concerned about the people a little bit because they're tired of all the roller coasters. You're, you're wearing them out. So we have a dynamic as a team here where we have been learning how to work together as a five-fold ministry team very different. Now, what, what can happen that can prevent what we're talking about. I'll give them to you real quickly, and Paul addressed them at Corinth. Insecurity, pride, and jealousy. The reason why you do not see team ministry, the fivefold ministry operating underneath one roof, is because of the pride of men, the jealousy of their own hearts, and the insecurity. They have found or derived their identity in this. This is my pulpit. These are my people. This is my church, and it's mine, mine, mine. When they never got the memo that this is God's church, this is God's house, these are God's people, He is the chief shepherd, He is the apostle, He is the prophet, He is the teacher. And see, I know we're, we're sitting in a room full of people that have been hurt by the church. You know why you've been hurt by the church? Because the church you know isn't the church in the Bible. We have built according to the traditions of men. We have modeled ourselves more after the Pharisees and the religious leaders than the New Testament church. And we have to ask ourselves, do we want to be a part of a New Testament church?
Because first of all, if you want to be a New Testament church, you probably won't get any bigger than we are now. Do you know how much easier it is to build a large church based off of the personality of one man and one woman? You just center the people's attention off of one gift and you grow, you grow, you grow. Meanwhile, there's no multiplication, there's no reproduction, there's no sons, there's no daughters. Do you realize in how many churches in America, if the senior pastor apostle died today, the church would shut down tomorrow? Because it's been all about building someone's empire and not learning how to father and mother in the kingdom of God. What are you saying, brother? Here's what I'm saying. The sign of mature leadership is not how many people you can control, but how many people you can release into ministry. It's time to stop keeping the people of God spiritually stupid. And depending on what culture you're a part of, there are certain cultures in the church that are so dominated because of the culture by one man or woman of God. One apostle where you bend down and kiss the signet ring. There are some of you in here, you have to get delivered from cultural elitism and get baptized into the kingdom of God. By the way, I'm just warning you, because I have to go in these places, when you begin to preach team ministry, when you begin to preach team, the fivefold training, equipping, when you begin to tell senior leaders your job is to work yourself out of a job, something will manifest, and it's usually not the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying. Or as Rick Joyner says, bless your heart. See, if we begin to train and equip and release, the only thing that will come is reproduction. We can't grow to a church of 10,000. We can only be 500 because we've sent out 10,000. But I mean, what, what are you impressed with? People, they email me all the time, I found a great Christian leader. Do you know for me, I don't even look at the leader, I look at who's around them. Because who's around them is going to tell you if they're a great Christian leader or not. Because if all the people around them are not trained, are not equipped, are not mature, I don't think they're a good Christian leader. They're gifted, they have charisma, they have talent, they have an ability to lead. But if someone's a great Christian leader, they're training, they're equipping, they're reproducing. Their identity is not found in ministry, their identity is found in Christ. See, ultimately, this is the bottom line. If you get delivered from a ministry addiction... 
and you just get addicted to the throne room, it doesn't matter who's preaching. It doesn't matter who's leading. It doesn't matter who's at the center of attention because I glorify God most when I'm in His presence, not on a platform. So people say, I was born to preach. It makes me want to throw up. You were not born to preach. You were born to sit and stand on the sea of glass and gaze at the beauty of the Lord. That's what you were born for intimacy. You were born for connection with God, not functioning in ministry. Am I talking to anybody? So I I know that we have a, a church family here. You've been hearing this for years. Some of you are here for the very first time, but for a lot of people, this church is very strange. It's strange because usually the same guy is not preaching every Sunday. Usually there's a team atmosphere where we tell people Jesus Christ is the senior pastor here. Like we like to tell people we will totally fail you. Please do not put your hope and trust in man. You're just setting yourself up to be the next victim for church hurt. People have bought into a religious system where their hope and dependence is upon a man in the ministry rather than Jesus Christ who is the fullness of ministry. I appreciate and I'm a part of the fivefold ministry that's called to train and equip you, but we're maturing you as disciples of Christ. Don't rep heart of the Father, rep Jesus Christ. It's not about a man or a woman. Some are of Apollos, some are of Cephas, some like Hillsong, some like Jesus culture, some are a fan of Stephen Furtick, others love Bill. I mean, you hear all these people, their allegiance is found more in a podcast, more in a worship movement than Christ. Sometimes I just want to say, will the real Jesus Christ please stand up? Like, where are are men and women willing to die to their ministries like John the Baptist? I call it ministry suicide. When the crowds were greatest, when he had all the attention, here's his prophecy. I must decrease so that he can increase. I'm not even fit to tie the master's shoes. It's not me, it's him. Those of us that are longing for revival and awakening, it will come when we give Jesus His church back. All right, how are we doing? I know this is an ordination service, but I'm just laying this out. I'm just telling you, so many people, you literally have to be talked out of a mindset or a, or a drink of water you've been drinking for 40 years. And here's all I'm going to encourage you to do. Read the Bible. Because that's what I did. I, I had this dream. I had this encounter. And then I'm like, okay, I don't think it's good enough to say, yeah, I, I, I had a dream where I went to heaven. I mean, first of all, people are going to think I'm a false prophet anyways because I said I went to heaven. So, uh, Lord, I need something more, more, more concrete. And what the Lord revealed to me was his word. 
And so what I realized in the Word of God, and we'll start moving forward, is that as an apostle Paul and then Timothy Titus, when these men would plant churches in the New Testament, they would lay Jesus Christ as the foundation and the head of the church, and then they would quickly seek to establish elders, plural. What are you saying? This is what I'm saying. There's not one example in the New Testament, not one, of a church being planted in one leader residing as the head ever. One more time. There's, and you, you can argue with me, I'll argue with you, I'd love to, but how does it say? Read the Bible first. There is not one example in all of the New Testament where one senior leader presided over the head. They were the head lead pastor. There's not one example of that in all of the New Testament. Actually, how it reads is this. As Paul would establish and he would lay Christ as the foundation, as he would build relationship, as he would preach sound doctrine, he would begin to establish elders, plural. There were multiples. There was a team that he set in place to govern the daily affairs of the church. So let me give you some scripture references. Acts 15, elders, plural, govern the church in Jerusalem. Elders, plural, are found in the churches of Judea and surrounding areas, Acts 11. Plurality of elders were established in the churches of Derbe, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, Ephesus, Philippi, Crete. According to 1 Peter, a plurality of elders existed in churches northwest of Asia Minor, Pontus, Galatius, Gal, uh, excuse me, Galatia, Bithynia, Asia. Did you know that the New Testament offers more instruction regarding elders in the church than baptism, spiritual gifts, and the Lord's Supper? There is not, I want to say one more time, there is not one single scripture in the New Testament that allows for one man to be the domineering leader amongst the saints. That's what I call a diatrephes spirit where Paul warned against a man who loved to have preeminence in all things. Let me just take a step back so you're tracking with me. I am not coming against pastors. What, am I, what I am saying is this. If there's only one pastor leading, they can only represent one-fifth of who Jesus really is to the body. I'm not pastor bashing. I'm saying they need to get into a team of other ministers and learn how to function according to the grace of God so that the people can be trained and equipped into the fullness of ministry. Is that making sense? I don't want you to leave her and say, oh man, he bashed a pastor. I'm not. Listen, we need pastors. But, but, but again, a lot of it is what have you been exposed to? You. So there's a lot of evangelists running pastor, running churches who are in the wrong lane. 
So when an evangelist leads a church, the best thing that they do is win souls. The worst thing they do is they can't disciple anyone. Why? An evangelist does not have grace to disciple people. That's the role of teachers. So rather than the church of Jesus Christ fund the evangelist to win the harvest, evangelists, I, I, I'm going to make a bold statement. The top 20 largest churches in America, 15 out of the 20 are run by evangelists. Why? Evangelists draw crowds. Evangelists draw money. And evangelists create an atmosphere where people can get comfortable hearing the gospel but never are forged by the fire of discipleship. Now, some of you might have sat under a prophet. Maybe you were one of those people. You sat in a congregation. You heard repentance. You heard holiness. You heard the fear of the Lord. Some of you maybe had even got into legalism where there was a constant beating over that. I don't know what you've been exposed to, but what I'm saying is you don't have to choose one or the other. Let me make mention of something else that we're seeing. It's like a deformity, and I'm going to be careful because I could offend a lot of people. It's called house churches. Do you know the inherent problem with many house churches in America? There's no fivefold. There's no fivefold. What ends up happening is it's a group of people that were hurt by a one-man ministry, and so they, they're, they're, they're against the fivefold, and now they get a revelation of the priesthood of all believers. We can all do it. We can all hear from God. Forget the 501c3. Forget the buildings. Forget the, all they do is steal people's monies. I mean, it's like an infestation in the American church. House churches. Here's my take. Listen, I really don't care. House church, mega church, movie theater church. The, the problem is not with the church. The problem is with the DNA. Stop fighting about buildings and organizations and how small and how big. When the fivefold ministry is functioning in a group of people, they will grow into maturity. That's what we need. There's always going to be authority. There's always going to be men and women that God has given grace to lead the people of God. It doesn't mean that people that don't have a five-fold ministry gift are any less than. It just means that we're on a journey together to grow in the knowledge of God. How are we doing? I'll start. I know we're, some of you are totally locked in. You're eating this up. Others of you are like, whoa, these waves are cool. I'll do the cheap thing. If you, if you enjoy what I'm saying, imagine that I wrote a book about this. Never thought I'd get to the day. I wrote a book called I See a New Apostolic Generation that talks about everything that I'm talking about and specifically refers to how God has built Heart of the Father ministry. So if you want more, you can grab the book. You can stop by the office. It's there. Okay, let's look at the instructions given to elders in the New Testament. James instructs those who are sick 
to call upon the senior pastor. I'm just reading the Bible. When your cat is stuck in the tree, call the... No, no, no. That's the NIV. If there's anyone sick among you, call on the plural. It's a team. Well, I want so-and-so to come pray for me. Because they're anointed and they have a TV ministry. And then, and then, and then, elders, plural. See, what, what I'm exposing in our hearts, just to be honest with you, it's called idolatry. Could I confront you in love this morning with American church idolatry? Where we choose to go to meetings and we choose to hear so-and-so when we're missing Jesus Christ. I believe God allows us our preferences, but He certainly isn't into prejudices. I'll just be honest with you. Folks, I've had to repent. There are some leaders in the body of Christ, they bore me. I mean, let's take, for example, teachers. It's dry. You know, when I met Barry, I said, thank God for a teacher who's actually passionate. There, there are just some gifts in the body you're not really going to gel with. You could be some revival-oriented on fire, everyone's dying and going to hell. And a pastor gets up there and he's sharing his heart for the brokenhearted. There's some of you in here that were abused and you're like sitting there saying, bro, call the altar call. Let's just slay them all in the spirit and God will deliver them in an instant. Trying to help you. There are gifts and there are graces that function in the body. Some of you will be more pulled towards certain grace and gifts, but it doesn't mean we don't need them all. So here's what's scary to me. When people say this, I only listen to. I'm saying, well, wow, you only drink of one-fifth of who Jesus is. See, a lot of you on your podcasts, on your phones, or whatever, you're just, you're just drinking, you're just being involved with saints. I, I want a playlist, I want, a, I want a, a, a biography list of all of them. I told somebody the other day, I read John Maxwell books. They're like, <gasps> I'm like, oh, you don't like John Maxwell? Oh, no, I don't, he doesn't preach on revival. I said, well, isn't it amazing that a lot of revival leaders don't know how to lead? They're really good at putting on services, but they don't know how to lead people. Oh, brother, it's all about reaching the lost. Them saints in there, they're going fat on the pew. Half of them aren't saved. I mean, we just need to get out there. And yeah, we need to get out there, but we need to grow in here too. I don't know what the Lord is confronting, He's adjusting, He's doing in your heart this morning, but I'm just telling you, there's an awful lot more of Jesus than most of us have drank from. I pray that there's a hunger in your heart. I pray that the Holy Spirit is working, saying, Lord, if I've been nearsighted, some of you, it's not your fault, it's just what you grew up with. That's what I run into the most. Most people, they just never heard this. And you go tell somebody at home, they're going to say, they're, her they're heretics. 
But I just encourage you, search the scriptures for yourself. Just wanted to read you two, two quotes. Establishing healthy biblical eldership requires the elders to show mutual regard and concern for one another, submit themselves to one another, patiently wait upon one another, and defer and prefer one another. Eldership thus enhances brotherly love, humility, and mutuality. Learning how to lead and care for the flock together will expose impatience with one another, stubbornness, bullheadedness, selfish immaturity, domineering dispositions, prayerlessness, pride, and jealousy. We've been on a journey here at Heart of the Father on our eldership team, learning how to work with one another, learning how to lead this, con- this congregation the best that we can. And as I've done before, I'll say it again, we've not always hit the mark. I know for me, after the first four or five years of this church plan, I had to repent to everybody. Because I didn't realize that even though you might have a five-fold grace, the work of eldership is to shepherd the people. You can't say, well, I'm a prophet and I don't, need how, I don't need to learn how to love people. That was my mistake. Somebody might say, well, I'm an evangelist. Forget, forget the, those people in there that already know God. No, there's been a work here. And so this morning is a real privilege and an honor because we're going to ordain another elder here, a man who has been here from the beginning. I remember when this man uh, first came to our church, he was actually uh, at the very first meeting, which was in my wife and I's home off of Edgewood. I don't know, maybe there were 10 or 15 people there. He's bald now, but he had an afro. Uh, Wouldn't you believe it? I had long hair too. I mean, I know it's a miracle. God does work in amazing ways. But this man came in with a call on his life, but what amazed me was he didn't ask for a microphone. If you're taking notes, just let me give you three just biblical things to keep in your hat or keep in your pocket. It's just I call it the three C's, calling, consecration, commissioning. Calling, consecration, commissioning. For the sake of time, I won't go there, but in Galatians chapter 1, Paul describes his call, that God called him from his mother's womb. Paul is very emphatic. He said, I didn't get my doctrine from a seminary. I got my doctrine from Jesus Christ. We know that Paul was a studied man. He sat under Gamaliel. People try to make Paul out to be this guy who wasn't well studied or didn't have an accountability. Honestly, on the contrary. But Paul had a revelation of Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ had called him. When somebody claims to have a five-fold ministry call, the first thing you want to ask them is, who called you? Because I'm going to tell you there are many people that graduate from Bible college and seminary, they get a degree, but God never called them. 
I got a prophecy. No, did God call you? I went to Bible college. Did God call you? So Paul was called. But as we read on in Galatians 1 and 2, Paul was called, but then he didn't step right into ministry. In fact, Paul spent 14 years He spent three years in the desert of Arabia. Galatians 2 says it was 14 years until he went back and he presented himself to the apostles. So what am I saying? I'm saying just because you've been called doesn't mean you've been commissioned. And this, my friends, the people that are here, this is... The greatest issue in ministry today in America. Individuals believing that because they've been called, they have a gift, they have an anointing, I'm ready for the microphone. I'm ready to put my gifts on display where in the Bible most of the time you're not ready until you don't want it anymore. Because in that season of consecration, you're learning how to pick up your cross and find your identity in nothing less than Jesus Christ. We have a generation of shooting stars. They get radically saved. They got fire. They shoot to the top, and the very spotlight they wanted is the very spotlight that exposes them. Because they never spent time in the wilderness getting the skeletons in the closet cleaned out. So we have highly gifted, called individuals who have no character. And guess what? As Jeremiah would say, the people love it so. Idolatry. I wonder if some of us would even care if we found out our greatest charismatic superstar is having an affair. No, just, work, just prophesy to me. I need another miracle. I wonder if we would even care if his kids even loved him. I'm telling you, we have built these pyramids in the charismatic church We have worshipped man. We have paid for their platforms. We have paid for their Bentleys and their mansions. And the Lord is coming. I believe God is coming for the church. But before God comes for the church, God is coming to the church. And He's going to set divine order. And He is going to expose things in our hearts. So a calling, but then Paul spends 14 years being consecrated. David, if you want an Old Testament example, David anointed king over Israel. He wasn't appointed for 14 more years. See, some of you are anointed in this room, but you haven't been appointed. I've got a gift. Yes, you do. And a father would tell you, so what? So what you can work miracles. So what you can draw crowds. So what you can... What does all that matter if you don't have a healthy marriage? What does all that matter if you're not a family man or woman? 
these are the things that God is after in this generation. And I'm prophesying to you, there's a generation rising that will have character that matches anointing. They will not only be called, but they will have the scars to prove it. Do not trust church leaders who do not walk with a limp. We're just setting ourselves up for more disappointment and more church hurt until we break this demonic cycle in the church. I want to pledge allegiance to Christ and Christ alone. I want to thank Him for the fivefold. I want to thank Him for men and women who helped me get trained and equipped into maturity. Amen. But at the end of the day, I want to know Christ for myself. We're on a journey. I just encourage you into maturity today to think about what you've been a part of, where you've been. If you're lacking, if you're deficient, just ask the Holy Spirit to help you. So the man that we're ordaining today, he was there from the beginning. He didn't ask for a microphone. He had a calling, but he recognized he needed to be consecrated. Everything about this man, I believe, speaks of a servant heart. Someone that doesn't need a platform, that doesn't need a title. This is a man of character. I believe today marks a significant day at Heart of the Father ministry. This man that we're going to ordain is a true son of this house, if there ever was one. This is the true fruit of fathering. This is a true fruit of someone who is willing to submit to the process. And this is a word for some people in here today. You're gifted, you're called. You might be 50. Are you willing to submit to the process? Are you willing to set aside your own desires and what you think you should do and come into accountability and community and learn how to grow as Christ would have you grow? The son of the house, the fruit of this ministry is none other than Brandon Jenkins. seated Brandon I just want to say publicly that I'm proud of you I'm proud of you you have run the race thus far and the grace of God will be with you to run the distance you are you are a man of character you have passed the tests there'll be other tests you're getting ready to have a second child so there'll be more tests but you have done well, and I want to commend you as a father in this house, as a son, that you are uh, what I believe God is desiring to do in this generation. You will model, and you will be a signpost for many sons. And don't grow weary over the jealousy. Don't grow weary over the competition. When the father is in the house, the sons don't need to compete. And I just want to encourage you, you will be around many sons 
who have a spirit of competition in them, and it's because they have never been around real fathering. When men and women have had real fathering, they are content because they know that the Father knows best. So I just want to quickly exhort you out of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Paul says to Timothy, uh, prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself as an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear. And then secondly, I felt like the Lord put this on my heart for you, 1 Timothy 6.20. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter, in the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. Brandon, I really felt that the Lord was even going to install you through the laying on of hands today, wants to commend you and encourage you to preach the word, to, to not despise your youth, but to also be careful of some who will come with, quote, knowledge. And God is going to give you the grace to guard what he's put inside of you. So, Brandon and Allison, will you all come forward? Barry and David, our elders, would you come? And those that have the basin with the water, um, we're going to wash Brandon. Let's wash Allison's feet, too. I mean, probably feel good on her pregnant feet, you know. But we just want to invite you all uh, as participants of this, of course, Uh, Brandon has been one that obviously our elders have spoken to, have been prayerful about. And as we set him in today as an elder, I just want to encourage you to pray with us as this is a holy moment, a fruitful moment for this ministry. Go ahead, Brandon, take off those shoes. Hey, Will, will you, will you take this stuff out of the way, please? I've talked too much. You talk. I told Barry I've talked too much. Barry's the real godfather. All right. I meant that in the best of ways. So we, we, have, a, we have a certificate here uh, for Brandon. Um, obviously, David and Barry can share. We'll just wash their feet, and then we can pray over them. Brandon, go ahead and put your feet in there. 
Father, we just bless Brandon. And Father, as an eldership team, Lord, we just ask, Father, that you would bestow the authority that you have given us into this community, Father. We ask right now, Father, that you would transfer the grace. God, we need your grace as a team. Father, we are inadequate. We are incapable of leading your people in the way that they should go without your grace. And so, Father, we ask, let the grace of God blow upon Brandon and Allison today. God, we ask that you would fill their home with the grace of your presence. Lord, as John said, let grace after grace after grace. Lord, let it blow upon the shores of their home. Let it blow upon the shores of their marriage and their family. Father, we thank you that you are a covenant-keeping God. And Lord, we ask, Father, that you would make special covenant with this couple and this family today. God, we lift up our voices, Lord, and we say, let no attack, let no deception, let no wolf that would come get in between them or their family. Father, we ask even now in this congregation that you would assign your people to watch over them and to help take care of them and to guard the deposit that you've put in them. Father, we rejoice. We give you great thanks as a people today for these precious gifts that you have given us. Father, we have drank from their lives and their ministries. We have been refreshed again and again, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. And oh God, if you would be so pleased, would you even put it in our heart this morning, God, how we can bless them, how we can be an aid to them. Lord, I prophesy over them more than enough. God says that you will not only reap what you have sown, but you will reap where you have not sown. For even in my fields there is great grace, and there is great fruit available for those who will lean into me. The Lord says that many will work by the sweat of their brow, and they will not call out to me. And because they do not call out, I cannot bless them. But the Lord says in the days ahead, your brows will be full of sweat. But as you call out to me, I will pour out abundant blessing upon your life. I will equip you. I will give you songs. I will give you sermons. I will give you finances into everything that I have called you to be in the mighty name of Jesus. Jeremiah just prayed, but I believe that it's like an umbrella, the picture that I get, it's like an umbrella over your lives and over your home, and it says blessing on it, it's like clouds that are going to rain upon you, and there's going to be a consistent um, dropping of blessing upon your life as you continue to walk faithful before the Lord, for the Lord has, he said, I found one that's faithful, whose heart towards me is faithful, and whose walk before me is faithful, and I will 
caused that one to abound with blessings. So the Lord says there's going to be blessings in the field and blessings when you come in. There's going to be blessings when you go out. There's going to be blessings everywhere that you turn. Not that there's not going to be conflict, but there's going to be blessing with it. There's going to be an atmosphere. There's going to be a cloud like in, in the wilderness where the cloud covered from the sun the children of Israel, the cloud of blessing is going to be over your life as you continue to walk faithful. And so I feel like the Lord wants to just exhort you um, that the thing that he's placed inside of you, the core, the DNA that he's placed inside of you to walk faithful, to be a servant, to just be obedient to the Lord, to desire to honor him and not yourself. Just continue in that way. That is the road that keeps the cloud of blessing over your life. That is the pathway that causes the blessing of the Lord to abound upon you and to fall upon you as dew and, and as rain each day. Let's pray for Allison. Father, we just bless Allison today. Father, we bless this marriage. We bless this daughter. Lord, we bless this mother. Father, we bless this child in the womb. Lord, and we just thank you, Father. Your word says that out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. And Father, we just thank you that great rivers of living water, not from Allison, but from your spirit, shall flow forth out of her belly in the days ahead. And the Lord says that you will provide great refreshing and great blessing for my people. The Lord says many will come into your worship hurt and wounded like birds that have had their wings clipped. And the Lord says that you will teach them how to fly again. The Lord says that I break off any insecurities about being an elder's wife, about stepping into this position of authority and servanthood. We say that you are enough because greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. And we say songs of deliverance will come forth. The Lord says, you will not only minister to my body, but you will minister to your husband. You will minister to your children. The greatest anointing that you will carry is on a keyboard, even in your own home. And the Lord says that there shall be a mighty anointing that will come, even through house meetings. The Lord says that in the days ahead, there will be songs for my body globally that will erupt out of your belly. And they will come in small, intimate settings where my spirit will pour forth like liquid honey. The Lord says that I am releasing a honeybee anointing in the body of Christ. For my people have become malnourished. They have become deficient on man-made songs. And the Lord says that your worship will be sweet like honey, like sugar. The Lord says it will go down well with my people. So, Lord, we ask right now that you would transfer, Lord, from our hands to Allison, great grace, great confidence in her God. We say that she will arise, and many, even her children and husband, will call her blessed in the mighty name of Jesus.
we receive them as a gift from heaven to this body. May they feel the fit like a hand in a glove. May it be with ease. I pray that your anointing would rest on them supernaturally now. Pray that supernatural wisdom and insight would come on them now beyond their capability. May they recognize that it's coming from you. Thank you for the humility. I thank you for the oneness. I thank you for the team spirit. We receive them and we embrace them now. As gifts to this body, to this calling, to this position. we give them a round of applause? Thanks for coming back. needs a workout anyways. <laughs> Anoint your biceps or something. Brandon, let's get a picture real quick. David, you stand up. Huckleberry Finn. Barry, right. come on. Hey, this is a good picture. Brandon will be sharing next Sunday. I mean, some people are so grateful. I mean, Brandon's going to be so much nicer and calm and pastoral and just relief swept through the congregation today. Brandon, do you want to share just anything?
floor. They hear the ground tremble when the enemy is coming. I remember that. And even Will Williams, he gave me one of the hardest prophetic words I ever received. Come on, Willie. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> but in, in 2010, in 2015, we were here at Heart of the Father. I was, and all I learned was surgical. I heard some awesome messages. I, I, I hid myself in with God. But the primary thing the Lord taught me was to serve. And Acts 4 was my lifetime scripture. It says that the Pharisees, when they saw the disciples, they perceived that they were untrained and they were uneducated. And they marveled at that because they knew that they were men who had been to Jesus. And so I don't have any type of ministry degree or something cool you know, to put on my resume. But the Lord, through His grace and through the elders here and through the leadership of the church, He has just kind of put me in the womb of this church and I really felt this morning Today was like a birthing in my life from going from a servant to a bond servant. And the, the Lord is, he's binding me to this body and to you. Amen. Amen. If you don't like me, you're stuck with me. <laughs> so but we went away from 
All right, could you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you for coming today and being a part of our Heart of the Father family. Uh, as you can see, we're constantly growing. God is uh, pouring out His Spirit in many ways. And again, if you're a first-time visitor, you want to fill out a card, uh, there's some things in the lobby for you and uh, lots of great things happening here. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for today. Father, thank you for showering us with your blessings. Father, thank you for divine alignment. Lord, I ask, Lord, even as you have set Brandon in, in this house, Father, as you have showed us biblically, Lord, from your word, Lord, what it is that your plan was. Father, I just pray a special prayer today. Father, over every person here, Father, whatever the deficiency is, whatever it is that we're lacking, Lord, your word says that if we're in lack, ask. And so, Lord, we ask today, would you bring us into maturity? Would you show us our blind spots? Lord, for those, Lord, here that have been called, Father, I pray for great grace in the waiting, for great servanthood that would never leave. Father, we thank you for your word today to us in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you all and have a great Sunday.